0: luck favors the prepared. It always seems like there are lucky people all around us and it's never us. Those people are not lucky. They just worked really hard at it. And then luck finally found them. And if they were lucky, chances are they're not going to be able to keep what they got through just sheer luck. So do what you need to do to succeed and your opportunity will come around. And we can only take advantage of that opportunity when we've worked at our craft.
1: Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our guest today is Rich Brooks. Rich is the founder of the Marketing Agents Podcast and the Agents of Chains Conference, which is a digital marketing conference that teaches people how to use search, social, and mobile to reach the ideal customers. Rich is also the president of Flight New Media, a web design and internet marketing company that helps small businesses grow through improving their SEO, building their audience with social media marketing, and building mobile-optimized websites, which achieve an increased visibility online more traffic driven to their sites, and most importantly, traffic converted into leads and business. Rich, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jared. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And you just recently celebrated your birthday, so happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So, Rich, everybody I have on the show, always ask the same question. It's, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? The
0: best concert that I have ever been to? That's a good question. Let's see. I've been to quite a few. Back in college, I went to go see a lot of shows. It was probably The Dead, but which Grateful Dead show? I don't know. I went to about 60 or 70 of them, and I don't remember (laughs) all of them all that well. There may have been some uh, extenuating circumstances. So The Dead, probably one of the many shows I went to, was the best concert I ever saw.
1: Very interesting. Now, the Grateful Dead always has a a really good reputation of building that tribe and, and marketing, and you're a marketing person. So now that you're into marketing, you know, these years later, what do you appreciate about the Grateful Dead looking back?
0: Well, you know, there is that book about everything I learned to market yes. I, mar- I learned from the Grateful Dead. I think what they did is and I'm just thinking about this if the cuff is they chose certain things and this would not be their language. They chose certain <laughs> things to monetize and certain right. things to give away for free. While most bands were saying you cannot bootleg, you cannot record, you cannot trade our live stuff. You have to come and buy our albums and pay to go to the concert and do all the and buy our t-shirts and all our swag. The Dead gave away what could have been their most valuable item, which was their music. I mean, they had some studio albums, they had some live albums, and I'm sure they made a nice amount of money from that, but they made most of their money from people who went to the concerts. And so the fact that they gave away, some people would say, oh my God, you're giving away your best stuff. But actually that got people really excited and stayed excited about the band all year round, even when they weren't touring near them. So when the concert actually came around, people got really excited to go to the shows. So I think that's a big part of it. I think for taking marketing lessons away, we need to think about maybe giving people a lot of stuff for free to basically build that tribe mentality, make them part of the tribe, and then find out what it is that we can value add. I mean, the bottom line is I could listen to a hundred bootlegs, but it's not the same thing as going to a show. And Mm. I remember my sophomore year of college, which was probably the time when I was most into the dead. I would say that probably I listened to nothing but bootlegs with the possible exception of one or two other albums the entire year. Like that's all I listened to was just bootleg after bootleg after bootleg. It didn't, but when they, came around to town i spent all of my bear money on getting grateful dead tickets and getting down to those shows so they certainly knew what they were doing
1: that's incredible all right let's go into blank versus blank which do you prefer killing zombies versus taking long walks on the beach
0: as exciting as killing zombies are i'm gonna go with long walks on the beach because the survival rate is so much higher (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'll leave it at that well said all right let's do finish this sentence if you ever get called out for the wounded warrior cold water challenge blank have your daughter force you into it. That's what
0: happened to me. I got called out from a friend of mine who made a video about it, called out a bunch of us. I didn't even know about it, to be honest. I saw him tweet it out. I'm like, I ignored it. And then he called me out a second time. Meanwhile, my daughter was there and she's like, I want to do the cold water challenge. And here in Maine, the cold water challenge is much bigger challenge than it is say in Southern Florida. (laughs)
1: Sure. <laughs> so it
0: was uh, me and her that night, her mom and her sister were out doing something else. And we had just gotten home and it was a nice day. But I mean, it was like in the 60s. And by the time we got home, it, the sun was setting and it was probably in the low 50s and it was windy. And she convinced me that we should go down. We Luckily, we live in an Oceanside Town, drive down to the beach and record each other running into the water and calling out some more people. So we did that. And then a few days after that, I made my donation to the Wounded Warrior Project, which is something I think a lot of people forget. They go in the yeah. water, their nipples get hard, they completely forget about everything else. So uh, that's <laughs> the next step. If you did the Cold Water Challenge and you haven't made your donation yet, you really need to do that.
1: There's some people listening right now that said, my nipples were hard and I just forgot. Yeah. And so you've, <laughs> Now's your opportunity. They, Press pause, yeah. <laughs> yeah. go make yeah.
0: your $10 donation and feel better about <laughs> yourself.
1: That's right. Okay. So you've been very clear about identifying the agents of change as search, social, and mobile. Would you be willing to just expound on each of those?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole idea behind the Agents of Change conference was this idea that small businesses primarily, because that's my focus, running a small business. But if we're going to compete with the big guys out there, if the entrepreneurs are going to compete with established businesses, if nonprofits are going to compete with all the other things going on in people's lives, then you have to understand what the most important channels today are. And if you want to get found, and if you want to engage your audience and if you want to get things done, you need to understand how these three channels work. So there's search engine optimization. When somebody's looking for something, are they going to find you or are they going to find your competitors at the top of the Google listings? Then there's social using whatever the right platforms or channels are, whether it's blogging, YouTube, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, whatever it is that works for you and your audience are you on the right platforms? Are you engaging with your audience in a meaningful way? Are you providing value? Are you networking with them? Are you creating some value in their life that they'd want to come back to your website and do business with you? And then finally, mobile, which is a little bit different because search and social, in my opinion, are ways that we bring people to our website, people who are qualified, who may want to do business with us. Mobile is slightly different. We just want to use mobile because that's the tool that more and more people are using these days. They access our websites through a mobile device, whether it's a tablet, tablet or a phone. And we just have to make that process as smooth as possible. If we have too many bumps in the road, if they have to like double tap and zoom and pinch and squeeze to be able to read all the content on our website, they're not going to because there are too many websites out there these days that make it easy for them. So if we're not making it easy for people on their platform of choice, then we're not going to get that business. And I guess that's true with all search and social too. If we're not making it easy for them on their platform of choice, whether it's Facebook or Pinterest, they're not going to choose to do business with us. And And so really, it was the idea of, can I create an event in Maine? And Maine is a small state population-wise. We have one area code for the entire state, just to put it in perspective. So can I take something like a blog world or an NMX or an SMX or a social media marketing world? And can I bring that energy to a smaller venue in Maine and get people to either come from within Maine or from outside of Maine? To listen to a bunch of really amazing speakers talk about it. Because Jared, I'm sure you've been to some conferences in your life, some business conferences. Sure. And of course, you realize that's much different than reading a blog post or even listening to a podcast. There's an energy when you get hundreds or even thousands of people in the same space that you get excited. And I just talked to a woman yesterday, who, a woman named Hillary Dow, who she was at last year's event. And she told me by the time she got home, she had already finished her business plan. She was listening to John Dumas talk about podcasting, got so excited that she ended up quitting her job and starting her own business that had podcasting as a major focus. And I love hearing those stories. People so inspired that they go out and take action. And that was kind of some of the idea behind the Agents of Change
1: outstanding. For that person who wants to be the agent of change and they're realizing, hey, I haven't made it easy for my avatar or for my customers. Maybe they're just doing one of the three or two of the three. Which of the three are the most important? And then what advice do you have for that person who wants to do a little bit better job with the other?
0: Well, I don't know that there's one size fits all as an answer to that question. There are some businesses that it makes more sense for you just to get found in the search engines. Is your And I'm not saying that this is the one question to ask yourself, but is your business transactional? In other words, are they going to make a buying decision and then never need to work with you again? And this morning I was meeting with a uh, local law firm in town that does a lot of personal injury stuff. Now, unless you are clumsy all the time, you probably don't need them multiple times. Hopefully, you'll only need them once. So that's more transactional. If I'm them, I'm going to focus more of my attention on making sure that I'm easy to find at the search engines when somebody needs that particular service, as opposed to something that might be more relationship-based, like a coach or a consultant where it's a long-term relationship, where I'm expecting to have a long-term relationship. Not that search isn't important, but maybe building an audience through social media and engaging with them on social media. So it really does depend on your business. And when it comes to mobile, my thing is 90% of your mobile problems will be solved if you have a mobile-friendly website. Not a mobile app, not anything else, just make sure that your website is mobile-optimized. And for this year, 2014, that's probably enough. Now, next year, I may have a completely different take on that, different opinion. But for right now, if you're on WordPress, making sure that you have a responsive website, or at least you're using something like WP Touch to make sure that your mobile visitors get a great experience, you're probably going to be able to cross mobile off your list for the time being.
1: Is there a reasonable breakdown in terms of percentage of time that's spent and the effort that's allotted to each of the three?
0: There's a lot of overlap. So that's part of why I hesitate to give you a specific answer. When I think about search, I always want to optimize somebody's website, the selly pages, selly sell as Chris Brogan will say, the sell pages on the website so that if somebody's searching for main dentist, that they're going to find your page on that. Although to be honest, they also might be looking for something more specific like veneers for teeth. So you want to have a page about that as well. So optimizing your pages is definitely important. But then what I always tell people is if you really want to beat the competition, then you have to start blogging because every blog post that you create, is another web page, And every web page is another opportunity of ranking well at the search engines. So a lot of the things that you do, especially in blogs and online video, work both for search and social. So there's a lot of overlap. And just to share a story that just happened to me, we're working with a local vendor that does Dynamics GP, that accounting software from Microsoft. And yes. they were looking to increase their visibility. And one of the audiences they were going after were breweries. And so I said, well, one of the things that I would do if I were you is I would just start creating blog posts because I guess breweries are under the category of like recipe manufacturers, people who manufacture something built on a recipe. So I said, why not create some blog posts around specific things that breweries should be doing with their accounting software or with Dynamics GP specifically? So she wrote a blog post and like two days later, got a call from a brewery down in Pennsylvania that wanted to set up a meeting because they had gone onto Google. And they had done a search on Dynamics GP Breweries, and hers was the very first result. Two days after she started blogging, (laughs) I said, you should expect this every time. No, I I told her, I'm like, well, that's an amazing story. I don't know that you're going to get that out of every blog post you do, but that one post you already did is more or less paid for everything you've paid us in terms of consulting fees just to get that client because with the value of the client over time and things like that. So I always tell people, it's like, sometimes you can get more for your money by creating blog posts or videos, well, both for search and for social in the same category.
1: Rich, the Agents of Change conference is coming again in September of this year, 2014. So what should people or attendees expect from this year's conference? And are there any new things that they should be excited about and why they should save the date?
0: All right. We've got a great, like we've done in the last two years, we've got a great selection of speakers. I really do go out of my way to find some amazing presenters. We've got Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. We've got Chris Ducker. We've got John Dumas is coming back. We have Rick Mulready. We have Nick Unsworth. Both of those guys talking about Facebook and Facebook advertising. We've got, I'm going to forget everybody now. Uh, Stephanie Salmon's talking about LinkedIn. We've got Cynthia Sanchez, one of the world's experts on Pinterest is coming in. We've got Greg Hickman, who's going to talk all about mobile marketing. Just a wide selection. It's going to be a fast paced day. With the exception of our keynote, we're only going to be doing what I call Ted with a twist. I Hopefully that is not something I'm breaking the copyright laws on. But anyways, twenty. Uh, 20- <laughs> minute presentations, 10 minute Q&A afterwards. It's all going to be in one room this year. We're trying something brand new there. I'm a little nervous mm-hmm. about that. And the bottom line is, if your listeners have ever wanted to visit Maine, and I know a lot of people have this fantasy about Maine, and I will tell you that having lived up here for the last 15 years now, it's all true. I love Maine. I would never <laughs> want to live anywhere else. Beautiful, cold sometimes, but not in September, which is when the conference is. If you've ever wanted to come, this is your opportunity because you can write the whole thing off as a business trip. So it's going to be on Friday, September 26th, all day. Tickets are $249. If they want to act now, it's only $149. Breakfast, lunch, the whole thing's up on the website. I'm sure you'll share the URL And the other thing is if you can't make it for whatever reason, we do have a digital pass. So people can sit from their home computers, from their work computers, watch the entire day live, even participate. And then at the end, we're going to take all of those videos. They usually take a week or two to process. And we're going to put them all back on the website for people who have purchased the digital pass so you can watch them on demand for a full year after the conference. So you can really soak it all in and get a lot of great information out of it. And uh, those tickets are also available online
1: man. Tough to beat that, Rich. That's a good sell there. <laughs> All right. So we've mentioned podcasting a couple times. So I do want to ask you this. You have a podcast, a great podcast. Thank you. What are some of the podcasts that you really enjoy and that you're listening to on a somewhat regular basis?
0: I wish I said I could say that I have ones that I listen to on a regular basis. I tend to go in streaks. So these days, I still listen to a lot of Pat Flynn stuff, Smart Passive Income. I listen to Mike Stelzner's uh, Social Media Examiner. I always say, if you're doing social media for a uh, profession and you're not listening to that show, that just blows my mind. Like Everybody should be listening to that because he always brings in these great speakers. I just discovered the art of charm and I can't decide if I love it or hate it, but I'm going to be listening to it for quite a while because it's kind of like how to pick up girls on one level, which sounds awful. I'm a married man anyway, so that's not why I'm listening to it. But it's more about like just understanding so far the episodes that I've listened to are mostly about like paying attention to what the other person's saying, waiting to listen to what they say, not having anything to say, putting the other person first. I'm like, well, if that's the art of being charming, then I want to be as charming as I can. So that's another one that I regularly listen to. And then um, Amy Porterfield is a great one too. And then, oh, outside of business, I would say that I was never a history buff, but Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is just amazing. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but his podcast can go anywhere from 90 minutes to five hours. And sometimes (laughs) they're multi-part ones too. So he'll do like the fall of the Roman Empire, which I never thought was interesting at all. And he tells it in such a fascinating way that it's hard not to listen to it. And you can't wait For the next episode to show up in your inbox. So uh, that's a fantastic podcast all about history and usually big moments in history when things dramatically change for the human race. Incredible.
1: That is a great list. And I'm going to try to be more charming on the rest of these questions.
0: Oh, you've been wonderful. (laughs)
1: Wonderful. So Rich, what encouragement can you give to a listener who's just starting out on a blog and they want to do some monetization, but they're not quite sure where to begin on that. And then what's that first step toward going down that road?
0: I would say place your audience before your monetization, because otherwise you're bound to fail. Blogs can be for a lot of different purposes. I've got a blog, like you mentioned, my day job is president of Flight New Media, and we've kind of reinvigorated the blog lately after it had gone, I wouldn't say dormant, but certainly low breathing apparatus was being used on the flight blog to keep it alive. And we've kind of reinvigorated that. We're monetizing it by using it as a lead generation tool. So I'm not selling anything from it, except that I'm answering the questions that my ideal customer is asking at Google and answering those. And then, of course, around the content or sometimes even within the content, I might have a link over to where people can get more information of how I could help them. So I think for a small business, if you're looking for a way to generate more leads, that is, in my mind, that's the number one way that small businesses should be monetizing their blog. Now, if you're an independent professional or if the blog is something that you're doing on the side, then there's definitely a lot of different opportunities for you to make money. You can certainly do different types of ads. You could do affiliate programs. I think it's important to decide what your blog's about, who is in your audience. I know a guy who did a lot of stuff on GPSs back in the day when smartphones weren't around so much and there weren't GPSs everywhere. And he did a lot of different product reviews. He was a pilot. And so he started a blog about that and he started getting people shipping him new products to test out. And then he would set up an Amazon account and he got such a big following, he would make a lot of money just through affiliate programs. So that's another way that you can monetize your blog. But I think the first thing you need to decide is, is this blog for my business? Because if it is, any monetization you might be doing outside of lead gen might be actually hurting you. I've gone to conference and somebody's like, I can't believe you're not selling ads on your blog. You are just leaving money on the table. And I'm like, every time I sell like a, if I make 30 cents on some like link that I send somebody away from my website, I could have just lost a $10,000 job. Like in my mind, it's just not worth it. I'd rather keep my blog somewhere quiet, peaceful, where people can learn. And if they think that my company has the answer to their problems, they're going to fill out that contact form and they're going to come talk to me. And that's worth a lot more than losing somebody who will never return to my blog again because they found some link on the side that pointed them to a uh, Google AdWords campaign.
1: Good advice. I want to circle back to SEO temporarily. So for the business owner that doesn't have a good understanding of how important SEO could be to grow their business, could you just explain real quickly how that could add value to them? And then the businesses need to run out and find an SEO expert.
0: Well, I would say that how valuable search engine optimization or SEO is to you or social media for that matter, you got to sit down and figure out what is a lead worth to you? And I sometimes will take people through this in my office. You know, I'll say like, well, what's the, whether it's a one-time value or a lifetime value, what's the value of you making a sale? And then how many leads do you need to become a sale? So, you know, do you close one out of 10? So then you need 10 leads for each sale. Okay, well, if the sale's worth $10,000 and each lead is worth $1,000, and then if you're using organic search You start to figure out, well, how many blog posts do I need to create to start generating that amount of leads? And you can start to see where SEO really can pay for itself. Again, you got to look at the kind of business you have to determine if it's right for you. But the bottom line is, if people find your website and they fill out your contact form, is that of value to you? And if it is, then it's probably something you need to invest in. Do you need to hire a search engine agency? There's nothing about search engine optimization that's rocket science. That's the bottom line. The question is, is it worth your time to do it? Again, I was talking to a lawyer today and we were talking about the copy on their website is like 10 years old and it's awful. It's not very persuasive. It's just me, 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 hire me. And I said, you know, I don't know what you bill out at, but I can't imagine any copywriter in America is billing out at the rates that you guys must bill out at. So the idea that you would write your own copy is ridiculous. You lose money if you sit there and write your own copy and you're not going to be as good as the copywriter we bring in for you. So let's bring in a copywriter who understands search engine optimization, understands how to write persuasively. So not only does it work at the search engines, but once the people from the search engines get there, then they realize that you're the right person for them. And we persuade them to take the next action, which is to pick up the phone or to fill out that contact form. So can you do it yourself? Absolutely. The question is, is that your core competency and should it be? Could I change my own oil? Probably. (laughs) If I watched a YouTube video, I'd probably figure it out. Is it worth it to me? Absolutely not. Same thing with my taxes. I would rather pay somebody to make sure it's done right so I can focus on other things. In fact, I'm looking out at my freshly mowed lawn that I did just the other day and I'm thinking to myself, that took 90 minutes of my life. I probably should have just paid some local kid 20 bucks and either had for $20, had 90 minutes to myself, or for $20, gotten an hour and a half of billable work in one or the other.
1: <laughs> you know, I've actually heard some people say cutting the grass is what a man should do. There's just some things you should do, but I like your. Uh, well, and to be honest, I actually do <laughs> like
0: mowing the lawn. There's a certain amount of zen. I have 90 minutes where I put on my sound canceling headphones, I can listen to books on tape. And it's actually not a bad workout. So that may not be the best example, but whatever it is that you don't enjoy doing or if you're just too busy, you should think about why not just hire somebody who will do this for a set fee, who has a proven track record and get it done for me. And the nice thing about SEO, unlike social media, is most of it's done up front. Can you continue to work on your SEO? Absolutely. And you should, but you know, for example, we're working with a company where we did their SEO and then they wanted a blog post written every week and they just don't have the bandwidth internally to do that. So we brought in a copywriter who writes a new blog post for them every week. And then we handle the promotion of that blog post because that's an important part of it as well. And they just take a look at the articles before they go live, but they're all geared towards attracting their ideal customer and then getting that customer to take a desired action on the website.
1: So, would you be willing to tell us real quickly about Main Tweetup? <laughs> Well,
0: that's just, I don't know if there's anywhere in the country that are still doing tweet-ups, but you know, we're a traditionalist here in Maine. So yeah, I mean like five, six years ago, whenever it was, we, me and a friend just started saying, well, let's do a tweet-up and it just became a monthly thing. And we were actually just about, you know, she went on to do other things. She got out of the whole tweet-up scene and I was putting them on and not enjoying doing them by myself, quite honestly. But I had a new woman come work for me and I said, we just set up the tweet-up and out of the blue, and I don't know if it was something she did or just people were, you know, in Maine, when the winter hits, people don't go out. Now, this was like the first one we had had in a while that was like decent weather. It was like March or April, which is still not decent weather, but I'm relatively speaking. And we had gotten down to like 30 people attending these things. And suddenly like 70 people showed up and the place was packed and everybody was having a good time and everybody was like to see each other. So we've just kept them going. So part of it is, it's just another networking group, but it's a group of people who tend to really enjoy each other's company. Portland, Maine is a very, I mean, it's a small town. It's a very small town, but it's filled with creative people. And these two, tweet-ups have kind of acted like speed dating, where a lot of people who may not have met or would have taken years for them to meet because they're in different companies or different industries get together and at a bar or a restaurant, we set out some food, there's some drink specials, they just get to talking and it's amazing the connections that have been made there.
1: So you mentioned several of the perks. If someone doesn't have a tweet up in there, what are some ways they can look for meetups or groups like that? Well,
0: meetups, I think is one anyway. So the bottom line is whether you're on... And we also have another group in town called Facebook Main, where they get together probably about once a month too. There's other groups uh, that are specific to different things. Like there's a website out there called Meetups. And through that, I know that there's a WordPress meetup every month. And that's more focused on a specific thing. Like a bunch of uh, WordPress uh, developers or users get together to talk about something. of the things that they're working through in different WordPress websites. And so you might find using the meetups website, some local things. And if you don't find anything in your area, I would just recommend putting on something yourself and it doesn't have to be anything big. Our first tweet ups were literally, we said, we're meeting at Rira at seven o'clock show up. And then after a while, after we started to prove that, okay, we could get 20, 30, 40 people together for a few hours, then we started talking to the bars and say, hey, could you put out some free food and we'll get even more people to show up and they'll all buy your drinks. You know, so that was something where we started to build. And I've heard of other tweet ups that, you know, get sponsors and stuff like that. We just haven't gone that route because it's no longer part of my business development plan. It's just that I like these people and I like seeing them out. So we like to throw a party once a month and get as many people to show up in one room as possible.
1: Good deal. That sounds like fun. To start to wrap up here, Rich, who is doing something that interests you? Who is doing something
0: that interests me? Wow, there surely is some person. I mean, I'm interested all the time. So let me try and think. Well, you know what? There's a company in town whose work I just really admire. On some level, they're probably competitors of ours, but I don't think we ever go head to head with them. And they're called Might and Main. And they just do some amazing branding for a lot of the local restaurants in town. And I know that's pretty small in terms of like the global universe of people who are doing amazing things, but that I thought was cool. And oh, and then the other day, I was interviewed by this guy and I'm going to blank on his name. It's going to be so embarrassing. As I'm talking to you. I'm going to see if I can just click back through time no and worries. see if I can find this person. If, oh, Vernon Foster. Okay. So, Vernon yep. Foster interviewed me about Agents of Change, and he has a podcast. And of course, you'll have to look it up and share it. It's something like. Well, yeah, I know, know Vernon. You know Vern's Vernon. Awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, and I've been saying this for a while that events or conferences are the new platform they're the new social media platform and he basically is a message that's right in line with what I've been saying it's like people are like Facebook's getting too crowded you know Twitter's getting too noisy what's going on and I didn't plan on this when I started with agents of change but I really do think that putting on your own event or participating in local events is really the next platform for most small businesses and entrepreneurs and Vernon's message is right in line with that and I think that's really awesome because you don't have to put on a 400 person event with a live feed to get attention in your hometown if that's what you're looking to do. You can put on lunch and learns. You can put on your own events. We have a conference room in our office that comfortably sits like ten people. And I used to put on little webinars, or not webinars. I'm sorry. I used to put on little seminars on different topics. I'd do presentations. I charge fifty bucks ahead, and I brought people in. We made a little bit of money, but we also started to establish ourselves as leaders in information about how to better market your business online. And I think any entrepreneur should be thinking about: Is there a way that I can establish my credibility? So what Vernon's doing is pretty cool in my book and definitely worth somebody checking out.
1: Well said. All right. What is the best place for listeners to connect with you online? Well,
0: I would love to see as many of them as possible in person or virtually at the Agents of Change conference. So send them over to agentsofchangecon.com. You can also, if you like podcasts, and I guess if you're listening to the show, you do, you can head on over to themarketingagents.com and check out my podcast over there. And then finally, no, actually, I'll do two more. Sorry. I know I should really just have one <laughs> thing. If you want to check out my day job, it's takeflight, F-L-Y-T-E dot com. So takeflight.com. And then if you want to reach out to me and engage with me, one of the places, is where I'm most prevalent and love talking to people, is the Twitter. So, you can just find me at TheRichBrooks, all one word, and that's where I'll be. Outstanding. Do you have any final
1: thoughts for the listeners?
0: Let's see. Final thoughts. I would just say that it's that line from the Incredibles. Luck favors the prepared. It always seems like there are lucky people all around us and it's never us. Those people are not lucky. They just worked really hard at it. And then luck finally found them. And if they were lucky, chances are they're not going to be able to keep what they got through just sheer luck. So do what you need to do to succeed and your opportunity will come around. And we can only take advantage of that opportunity when we've worked at our craft.
1: There you go. Rich, (laughs) thank you so much. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Jared, thanks for the time. I appreciate it, man.
0: Are you on the right platforms? Are you engaging with your audience in a meaningful way? Are you providing value? Are you networking with them? Are you creating some value in their life that they'd want to come back to your website and do business with you?